following audio is from Fathom Church in downtown Littleton, Colorado. More information about Fathom can be found at fathomchurch.org. That is all I will say about that, but let's get into it today. Open up your Bibles if you have them. We've got a lot to talk about in Matthew. We're continuing our series in Matthew. Open them up to Matthew chapter 13. If you don't have your Bibles, get your phone, your tablet, whatever it is. If you're here um, in-house, we've got black Bibles underneath each chair on page 818. 818, that's where you're going to find Matthew chapter 13. 13. But first, I wanted to give you all a little bit of an update on my family, especially for those of you that don't know me. Um, I, my wife is Jackie. We've been married for eight years. She's actually heading up and helping all the, all the kids this morning. So if you see her, say hi. Um, and we've got two little ones. Our, actually, our little girl, Caroline, is almost 10, 10 I almost said 10 years old. She's sitting over there, 10 months old, um, which is crazy. <clears throat> And then our, our little boy actually just turned five years old a couple weeks ago. So we have a five-year-old kid now. Um, and now we have, we, we have a kid. We have an are-you-serious kid, okay? An are-you-serious kid. Now, parents, you might know what I'm talking about this, that like everything you say to your kid, the response is, are you serious? Like we're in that stage now. Are you serious? Like especially with discipline, All right. That's a big one in our house right now, because I feel like um, my five year old boy flipped a switch overnight. And my sweet little four year old who used to be a four year old is uh, now flipped a switch and turned into a monster. Pretty much. Um, I'm just being honest up here. Um, He's not in here right now. Um, so I, and I know everybody has these sayings of like terrible twos and three nagers. Has anybody ever heard of three nagers? Okay. This is the first time I've ever heard that term, and I hate it, and I'm never using it again because it's just three-nager. If you use it, fine. Just don't use it around me. Um, three-nager. Okay, but here's the thing. We never used those because Austin was actually a really good kid um, growing up. Like, we've been blessed with a super easy-going, kind, and loving young boy so far. Okay? So far. Um, but now everything is met with, are you serious Like when I need to be serious and discipline him because he's done something wrong, like talk back to his mom or yelled at us or something. um, I say like, you got to go to your room or like I have to take away that that toy, you know, like consequences, right? Giving him these consequences. Everything I everything I say to him, I always hear. Are you serious or dad? Are you being serious? Yes. Yes, I am being serious. And I'll be honest with you, it's sometimes hard for me to be serious. I'm not a super serious person, but parents, you get this. Like, I love playing with him and joking with him and having fun with him. But when I need to be serious, like when it comes to be discipline time, it's tough. It's actually really hard. And I mean, it's hard not to laugh sometimes. Parents, you also get this. Like when you're in the car and something is said from the backseat, that's like borderline terrible, but kind of hilarious. And you're looking, Eric, which one's going to laugh for it? Don't laugh. You can't laugh because you have to be serious because you have to punish them, right? But that's where we're at now with our five-year-old. It's the dad, are you serious stage. We play and we have fun. Um, but when it's time to be serious, like he doesn't believe me, okay? He's got, he, he calls me out on it. And so I am calling my sermon today, are you serious? I mean, it's pretty straightforward. Are you serious? Because I I believe we've gotten to the point in Matthew here in the gospel of Matthew, where Jesus is now starting to raise this question with those who are following him. 
his followers, are you serious? Are you serious? Are you serious about this whole following me thing? Are you serious about me? I think that's what Jesus is saying here. So as we get into this text this morning, if you've been to church more than a minute, you've probably heard this text many, many times, um, but we're going to read it. But today we're going to be looking at what is called a parable. Okay. A parable. Now the next few weeks, we'll hear a lot more about Jesus's parables, but I want to define what a parable is because you've probably heard that term before, but we might not know what it is. Okay. So a parable is, as, as Grant Osborne simply defines it in his Matthew commentary that I've been studying this week, he says this, he says, the term parable can refer to stories, illustrations, similitudes, proverbs, or even riddles. Okay, the basic meaning of the term is comparison. All right, so it is a literary device drawing on analogy or comparison from everyday experience to deepen one's understanding of a concept. Okay, so, so plainly put, a parable is a story Jesus is using in order to teach his followers something. Okay, and these stories were usually um, examples of everyday things so that everyone listening would understand them and therefore deepen their understanding of the kingdom of God. Okay, it was, it was something that they would know. And what's great about this parable in particular that we're going to be looking at is it's really broken down into three different sections of verses. Okay, I said we've, we've got a lot of verses to cover, but it's really broken down into three sections. The first one is Jesus actually telling the parable. Okay, the story or the analogy or the riddle, Jesus is telling that. The second section is his disciples, Jesus' disciples asking him, why are you speaking in parables? Okay, so then Jesus explains why he's speaking in this sort of style. And then the third, Jesus tells the parable again, but he goes back to actually explain the parable that he just told him. Okay, so first we're going to skip the first actual parable part. And I want to go to the middle section where Jesus explains his teaching style of why a parable. Okay, so follow along with me. Chapter 13, we're going to start at verse 10. Okay, verse 10. Then the disciples came and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And he answered them, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. For the one who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see, and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Okay, so first of all, Jesus taught this parable to a ton of people. Okay, and after, after he has taught that, his disciples come up to him and question his teaching method. Okay, now, my wife's a teacher. I wouldn't dare question her teaching methods, let alone um, the ultimate teacher, what their, the disciples are doing. I mean, to question Jesus' teaching style, I mean, they should probably just shut their mouths and listen, but the disciples never did that. They never questioned Jesus about anything, right? Um, so we have Jesus' disciples asking him, hey, why do you speak to them in parables? And what Jesus is pretty much telling his disciples is, the, the, his disciples, the ones who have been closely following him, who has been his closest friends, his students, what Jesus is kind of saying to him is, hey, all these people that are coming to listen to me, haven't had the privilege you have had in being this close to me this entire time. Like they haven't had that privilege of hearing from me like you have heard from me as you are my students. And he's saying to them, you know, some of them have no idea what I'm talking about. 
when I use words like the kingdom of heaven. Okay, so I'm going to speak to them in ways that they understand so that they truly hear what I'm saying to them. You know, Jesus didn't want this to go over their heads. He didn't want those who already knew what he was talking about, like his disciples did, to be the ones that, the only ones that could understand what he was teaching because it wasn't for them anymore. Okay, he wanted to make it relatable to everyone and he wanted every here to hear him and to understand what he was saying, okay? So that is why he spoke in parables, which brings me now to the actual parable, which is the parable of the sower, Okay, so we're going to read the parable of the sower. Again, you've probably heard this if you've been in church before, but let's read the parable of the sower, and then we're going to read Jesus' actual explanation of it, which is just perfect for a preacher when Jesus just explains everything. This is awesome. All right, so we're going to start at verse 1. So this is Matthew 13, verse 1. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat beside the sea, and great crowds gathered around him so that he got into a boat and sat down. And the whole crowd stood on the beach and he told them things in parables saying, and here's the parable, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seeds fell along the path and the birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil and they immediately sprang up since they had no depth of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched. And since they had no root, they withered away. Other seeds fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them. Other seeds fell on good soil and produced grain, some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. He who, ha- he who has ears, let him hear. All right. So a little bit of context. Okay, so first we see Jesus. Uh, Jesus' popularity is growing. We've been seeing that through Matthew. So big, in fact, that when he's teaching this parable, he actually has to get into a boat and they float him out a little bit on the Sea of Galilee because so, everybody's crowding the beach. Okay, now, and just a little like fun fact, if you want to look this up, um, I think scholars and theologians kind of know or have like a good guess of where Jesus was when he was teaching us, like what, what cove this was, and they call it the cove of the parables. Uh, yeah, or the cove of the sower. Yeah, it, fantastic names. Um, but look that up. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, this is most likely the place they believe that he taught this parable amongst many, many others. So Jesus is teaching the crowds about the kingdom of heaven, okay? And he likens it to a sower sowing seeds on different soils, okay? I'm going to be saying a lot of S's today. So tongue twisters, okay? Now, I don't know about you, but if I heard this parable today, I don't know if I would like fully understand it, to be honest. I mean, sowing seeds, farming Gardening, all that. I mean, I can't even keep a plant alive in my own house. Um, so if, that's why if you ever come over, we don't have any. Um, fake plants for the win. Problem solved. Just get fake plants. Um, but I'm not in that crowd, okay? I'm not in that crowd. And this probably wouldn't have been the best analogy for us today, let alone a big crowd. But Jesus knew that using this example of sowing seeds would have been the perfect example for those who were listening to him that day. Okay, because you see, back then, almost everyone listening would have understood this. They, they, would, have, they would have totally understood where he was coming from. They, they did these sorts of things. A farmer or sower would sow the seeds, meaning that they would reach into their bag, grab a huge handful of seeds, pull it out, and they would scatter seeds across the ground. 
Okay, and then they would go and plow after they've scattered the seeds. That way, like all the seeds would fall down into the soil. They, they would take root. They would, they would grow in order to produce fruit. And, and listen to this. Listen here closely because this is going to be a main theme throughout this morning. That that was the only goal to produce fruit. Okay, that is, that's it. Nothing less. The goal was to produce fruit. Okay, nothing else would have mattered. Okay, so Jesus ends his parable by saying, he who has ears, let him hear. Listen up, hear this, and don't just hear this, understand this, take it in, listen, hear me, let this take root in your heart, and don't just hear this, do more with it. Understand it, grow from it. Jesus is saying, he who has ears, let him hear Jesus saying that is, Jesus is calling for two things to happen, okay? One, he's calling, he wants a willingness to listen. Okay, remember that, a willingness to listen. And two, he wants motivation to respond, to actually do something with it. Okay, those two things is what Jesus wants to happen. And this is why, even though these parables might have been taught and, and themed directly towards first century Palestine, like we can understand them today. So let's talk about the, there's the three different pieces of this parable. Okay, kind of the big characters, the main characters of this parable. And we've got the three main pieces of this parable are the sower, the seed, and the soils. Okay, sower, seed, soils. Say that five times fast. So we're seed soils. Yep. This is, this is a, a preacher, a pastor's dream, alliteration, all S's. I planned that. So let's start with the sower. Okay. We got the sower. Most likely, who is the sower that Jesus is talking about? Jesus. Yeah, himself. Yes. Last week, I know if you were here last week, last week, Pastor Chris said, Especially like if you're, if you're a non-church person, if there's a question being asked, most likely the answer is Jesus. So just say Jesus, you'll, you'll be good. Jesus, okay? Now some have believed that the sower could be anyone teaching the gospel as well. So this would be, be you, Christian, if you call yourself Christian, evangelism. But we're going with Jesus because it makes the most sense here. So we have the sower, Jesus, the one who has the message, who is spreading the seed. And what is that seed, you ask? Good question, okay? Um, the seed is the good news of the gospel, the message of Jesus. It's, it's scripture. It's this, what you all hopefully have in your hands right now. Um, it's what we as Christians are called to take with us to the ends of the earth, telling everyone about the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So here we have Jesus spreading the seed of the gospel message to everyone all over, scattering it everywhere. Okay. Now we get the soils. When we get to the soils. We have four different types of soils. Okay. Which represent us. All right. And this is where I want to spend the majority of our morning just dissecting these four types of soils. Okay. And seeing what the heck they have to do with us. All right. Because we have Jesus as the sower, sowing the seed of the good news of the gospel to all types of soils, us. All right, now let's see what types of soil we might be, okay? And listen, church, as we're going through these four types of soils, like my guess is wherever you're at in your relationship with God, or even if you don't even have a relationship with God at the moment, um, you will relate to one of these soils, okay? 
So be honest with yourself. Relate to one of these soils. So let's take a look at the description of the very first soil. Okay, we'll look at Jesus's description and let him explain what he meant by the first soil. So let's go to Matthew chapter 13, verse 18. We go up to verse 18. 18, hear then the parable of the sower. Okay, he's going to explain it to him again. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is what was sown along the path. Okay, so we've got the sower grabbing a handful of seeds and sowing it or throwing it everywhere And the seed lands on four types of soils. And the first one being, as we saw earlier, when Jesus was telling the first first time when he was telling the parable in verse four, he says it again, verse 19, he described it as a path. Okay, now again, I'm no farmer, but I can tell you, does this surprise you? I'm no farmer. I can tell you that a path probably isn't going to be the best place that seeds are going to fall into, take root and actually grow something. And turn into plants. Okay, most of the paths that I know have been heavily walked on, all right, matted down. They're hard, definitely not receptive to anything other than foot traffic, right? And the seeds that are scattered along the path have nowhere to go, nowhere to dig in, and the seeds just sit there. And the birds come and just eat them all up. Okay, and so. With the sower analogy, this is not a good thing. Okay, this is definitely not going to produce any fruit. Won't do anything. So let's translate this to today, okay? And what I believe Jesus is trying to say with this parable to the, about the first soil in particular. Jesus is the sower. He's sowing the seed of his good news, his message to all those who have the willingness to hear it And sometimes that good news falls on those who have soil like a path. Okay, those who hear the word sometimes, yes, but they don't understand it. Or those who have maybe been to church, heard the word preached, read the scripture, heard the scripture, heard the worship songs play, but they just don't let it in. They don't even give it a chance to get in, to take root. These are even people who hear the gospel and hear me, maybe even know what it means. Maybe they've been to church, okay? But outright reject it. And their hearts are hardened like the path. Now, maybe this isn't you, but maybe this is you. Maybe this is your thousandth time sitting in that same exact chair here at Fathom Church and nothing has really changed since the very first time you sat in that same exact chair here at Fathom. Maybe you hear the words spoken every single Sunday, but the second you leave this building, you've forgotten them already. Maybe you've chosen to forget them the second you walk out of this building because you just don't want them. And what Jesus is saying here, those of us who harden our hearts to the message of Jesus, who don't even let it in and give it a chance to take root in our lives, just make it that much easier for the evil one to come and snatch it up. You know, throughout scripture, especially in the Old Testament, birds were seen as harbingers of evil. 
so they would announce when something bad is coming. And maybe your heart has been so hard to Jesus that Satan is just easily snatching it up every single week. The second you walk out of these doors, you know, I, I have friends like this. I think a lot of us might have friends like this. I'm sure a lot of us do friends that you've told about Jesus. You've invited them to church and, and you've been a part of their, their lives and hopefully been a good example of a Christ follower to them. And, you know, I'm just, I'm just hoping that one day one of these seeds will break through, but for now their hearts are just hardened. And maybe that's you this morning and you haven't given Jesus a chance to take root. But even if your heart is hardened, listen to this, even if your heart is hardened or your friend's hearts are hardened, guess what? Like he's, the sower is still going to sow the seed. He's still going to use you, Christian, to sow the seed to those, to sow the seed of love and grace and his kingdom and truth to those around you that you're sharing his message to, no matter what. So that's the first soil that we're talking about, okay? That's the first soil. The second soil. Let's move to the second soil in verse 20. So follow along with me in verse 20. As for what was sown on rocky ground, this is the one who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while. And when tribulation and persecution arises on account of the word, immediately he falls away. So this soil is on rocky ground, okay? It's not like the, the path soil in a sense that there's, there's actually soil here, okay? There's actually, so that, that, that seed could possibly survive in, okay? But only a little bit. Jesus says when the sower sows the seed of truth in his soil, this soil immediately receives it with joy. That is awesome. Do we immediately receive the scripture with joy whenever we hear it or read it. It's something to think about, but it has no root. The soil is decent enough to spring the plant up quickly. It hangs out for just a little while, but it doesn't have substantial roots. And so what Jesus says actually back in verse six, when he's telling this the first time, but when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away and it died. So these are the people that hear the word of God and they receive it with joy. That sounds good, huh? They receive it with joy after hearing it, but then the real world comes. Okay, the trials and tribulations of this world come up against them and they quickly forget that joy that the word of God brought to them and it dies out. Church, I, I feel like this could be a lot of us. Like we could, we could kind of fall into this, this section of soil. This, is, this soil is a response to the gospel of Jesus Christ based on pure emotion and feeling. Okay, this, which reminds me of when I was a teenager. Okay, so youth, I'm going to talk to you all for a second. Okay, when I was a teenager, this reminds me of what we used to call a mountaintop experience. Okay, I had many of these mountaintop experiences growing up in the youth group at church and going to retreats, weekend-long retreats in the mountain. You get away from the rest of the world, the real world, all distractions. Um, you learn about Jesus and you worship him with other Christians that you're around, other Christian teenagers. And you have that like Saturday night experience, that really awesome Saturday night experience where everything just seems to fit together so perfectly 
The sermon spoke directly to you. The worship pulls at your heartstrings. You're like a sobbing, blubbering mess of tears because you, you believe that God is changing you and he's speaking directly to you. It's, it's amazing. And you're flying super high at the end of the week because you're way up here at the end of this retreat and you're having that mountaintop experience, right? Everything has changed. You, God has changed you on this retreat and you're ready to go back home and follow Jesus closer than you ever have before. And then you get home and then it's back to reality and it's back to school and it's back to your unchurched friends or back to the, the, the girlfriend or boyfriend that didn't go with you on, on that retreat. And you don't have those emotional worship sessions or those, those other Christian teenagers there in your youth group to, to keep you accountable with these things, to feel that and your friends back home are already inviting you to that next party and you get sucked right back in to what you were doing before the retreat. And just like that, that joy is gone. Okay, back to where you were before. And this isn't just for the teens in this room, okay? For everybody, hear me on this. Have you ever been so excited when that new Bible study starts, right? The new Bible study starts up or your new D group restarts again or starts up, starts meeting again. And you have that joy and that excitement and that emotion that like, oh yeah, this, like this, I'm going to be changed by this. This is going to be amazing. And then it has been week two and then week three of the same study or the same group time. And the excitement is kind of withering a little bit. And then your work schedule gets in the way and gets even busier or your other group of friends want to hang out on the same night that Bible study is, but that group of friends is more fun. So you want to want to do that instead. And that excitement, that joy is just gone like that. That's the second soil. I, I believe this second soil is a lot of us, if we're honest with ourselves. And the reality is that second soil doesn't come close to produce fruit. Let's be honest, that second soil is fake. Now let's look at the third soil. The third soil that I, I believe, again, might be the majority of us, might be more of us, especially if we call ourselves Christians. I feel like this one, if we're honest, most of us as Christ followers can say that we fall into this. And hear me, we're okay with it. We feel comfortable in this third soil. So let's look at verse 22. As for what was sown among the thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word and it proves unfruitful. Hey, this is, this is the third soil, right? It, it's better than the first, meaning like it actually has soil. The first one was just a, a worn down hard path. It's better than the second right? That was so, so quick to be scorched and, and killed by the sun and the difficulties of this life, right? It's better than those, right? It's got to be. This is where I believe most of us fall into that we, we hear the word and we understand it. We have that willingness to hear the word. We believe in the word and the truth of the gospel. We take it to heart. We come to church. We get connected in small groups. We pray. We read our Bibles, this isn't just our, this emotional, spiritual moment that we're having. Like, this isn't just our mountaintop experience. We've brought that home with us, and we're looking the part. On the outside, we look good. 
We look like a Christian, but we're choosing the world over Jesus. And it says the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke out the word in us. We do the whole Christian thing by coming to church on Sundays or, or even better, even another week, another day during the week, we go to a Bible study or something. We, and we check that off our Christian to-do list or we read the Bible most mornings. And then we let the world and all of its deceitfulness choke out Jesus from our lives. And listen, if we're honest, like I'll, I'll, I'll be honest. I feel like a lot of the times I'm in this soil. I'm in the third soil. Sure, I might look like a Christian I might be, might be going through the motions, doing the right things, saying the right things, but then there's, there's sin. And there's the things of this world that so easily become more important to me than Jesus himself. And I choose those things over and over and over again. And I choose the deceitfulness of the world and my own desires over the word that was sown over me. Jesus says this soil hears the word and looks the part, but allows the thorns of this world to choke it out. I mean, isn't that most of us church? I feel like if we're honest and choosing the world over Jesus, and I feel like if we are honest with us, most of the times that we're here and, and, and we're really faking our way through this whole life with Christ thing. We're, we're playing the part. We're choosing the thorns of this world over Jesus and his kingdom. And hear me, even though this soil produces some sort of root, it does. It's there. The word of God has stuck. It's growing. But Jesus says it proves unfruitful. And remember what I said earlier. Remember the only goal for a sower sowing seed is to produce fruit. That's it. The soil is unfruitful. And I think those, those three words, it proves unfruitful. I, I think Jesus put that in there for a big reason so that they would hear that. I think those three words, they're so important that Jesus kept those in there. Like he wants, he wants us to make sure that we know that we can't just look the part. We can't just have a little bit of roots in him on Sundays at Bible studies serving on church every quarter. Because if we're continuing to choose the ways of this world, it will choke us out. And we will be unfruitful. Jesus is making it clear that none of these first three soils produces any fruit. Even if we like to think that we are, in this soil and in the previous ones, we're choosing the world over Jesus. But hear me, church, this, that third soil, that's the easy place to be. This is the comfortable place to be, to look and act like a Christian most of the time, but to always have that other side, always have those other things that we're partaking in that are just so easy and nice and comfortable. And we've been doing that for a while and it would be harder to give them up than just keep going back to them. This is the easy place to be. But luckily, there's one more soil and it's the hardest one for us to get to and stay in, but it's the most rewarding. And actually it is the only one that is rewarding. So let's look at that fourth soil in verse 23. As for what was sown on good soil, this is the one who hears the word and understands it. He indeed bears fruit and yields in one case, a hundredfold in another 60 and in another 
30. The good soil. Those who are in Christ Jesus, who have good soil, hear the word of God and understand it and try their best to understand it. They have the willingness to hear it and understand it. They don't reject the word and allow the birds to come and snatch it up. They hold fast to the word and they they let it go deep and they let it grow. They endure the trials and tribulations that come to those who are in Christ. They endure the persecution that is bound for them. And listen, the last time I was up here preaching a few months ago, we talked about that persecution that will come, that is promised to come to those who are in Christ. But those in good soil endure that. They won't give in to the mountaintop emotional experience that they, the, that they have and, and have that wither away at the first sign of difficulty that comes their way. All those in good soil reject the world, fight against their sin and their fleshly desires, and they reject the deceitfulness and lies and empty promises that this world gives. They go deeper They take root in the words of Jesus. They grow and they bear good, good fruit. This is where Christians, we should want to be. This is where God wants us to be. This is where he had plans for us to be. And if we say we're Christians, this is where we should be striving for. And really quickly, I just, I want to bring up, what is this fruit? Like, what is this fruit that God is talking about that we bear fruit? And I want to just go back to what, what Audrey read up here that right at the beginning of service. That scripture in Galatians 5, I'll put it up here on the screen, 522. It's the fruit of the spirit. We've heard this. You've heard this probably at every wedding you've ever been to. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Do we bear this fruit, church? Or do we just bear maybe a few of these? I mean, I'm, I'm all about the love, the joy, the peace. But patience? Gentleness? Self-control? Yeah, Jesus says all of these. So how do we do that? Okay, how do we get to be that good soil, especially if we see ourselves stuck in one of the other soils and we just can't get out of it? How do we change these soils? How do we, how do we grow? And here's the good thing, church, is we can change soils, but we can't do it alone. Okay, we as the soils can change, but we need the sower and we need the seed to help us change and you see, church, the good news is that wherever we're at, whatever, wherever we find ourselves in today, the sower and the seed changes us. Okay, because the sower and the seed never change. They have never changed and they will never change. Jesus, the sower, is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He's our constant The message of the good news of the gospel doesn't change. It hasn't changed. It's here. It's truth. It's all right here. It's the same good news. So good thing for us is that two of the three of these pieces will never change. And the other good thing for us being the soil is that we can change. Because the reality is, is only one of these soils produces fruit. Only one. So it's a good thing 
that if we are not in a soil, the soil produces fruit, the sower and the seed can get us there. And how do we get there? Like, how do we, how do we grow? We try to model our lives after the sower. And we take in that seed of his word. It's discipleship. It's what we've been talking about up here forever. From up here, it's what we've been talking about. It's about deepening your relationship with the Lord. It's what we're about here at Fathom and going deeper and getting involved and and joining a Bible study, leading a D group by serving, by getting you and your family here to church every single week. It's what we've been talking about. And it all starts with, I believe, asking the question that my son asked me that I talked about, are you serious? And I believe Jesus is asking us that question today. Are you serious? Are you serious about following me? Or is this just an act that you're putting on on Sundays? Are you serious about growing in your relationship with me and going deeper with me? Are you okay where you're at? Are you comfortable where you're at? Are you taking this thing seriously? So I'll start wrapping it up here, church, but but this is a call to serious examination of what our lives look like if we are in Christ Jesus. I mean, maybe the easy reflective questions are to ask, are you serious? Are, Are we being serious about this? Or which soil do we find ourselves rooted in? Are we just here hearing the same old things again and again, not letting it sink deep and take root? Are we just going to walk out these doors in a few minutes and it's all going to go in one ear and out the other? And the birds are are just going to snatch this truth of the gospel away from us and, and, and we're okay with it and we let it happen. Are we rooted in just our emotions of a great sermon or a great worship set um, just waiting for that next retreat or, or Bible study to get that spiritual high again? Are we showing up and being involved in all the things and checking them off our Christian to-do list, but we're still a slave to ourselves and our own flesh and the deceit of this world? Are we letting the things of this world choke out the love of God inside of us? Hear me, church, whichever soil you might be in this morning, luckily, by the grace of God, we can be changed by the sower and the seed starting today. We can allow Jesus to change us from the inside out and get us to the good soil where he can produce the good fruit in us and through us. The good thing is, is the sower and the seed both never change, but he wants to change us. He wants us to grow in us and through us. We have a choice here today, Fathom. Let's take it seriously. Will you pray with me? Father God, we thank you for this time. God, we thank you for the um, the story, Jesus, that you spoke to those following you. God, we thank you that you that you use these, these stories to describe that your, your kingdom and what you do for your people. God, but I, I just pray for all of us hearing this today, God. No matter where we're at in our relationship with you, wherever we fall, um, where, wherever we fall at, whatever soil we're in, God, that you will just reach down and help us change, God. God, I just pray that we know that if we're stuck in one of these first three soils, God, that we don't have to be stuck there. 
Jesus, that you are the sower and your word and your truth is the seed, God, that, that we can grow and we can take this seriously. God, I pray that we take this seriously. If we say that we are, are in you, God, we say that our lives are in you and if we call ourselves Christians, I pray that this just, this just doesn't become something that we show on the outside. God, that this isn't something that we just, we just do on Sunday mornings or, or here at Bible study or, or D groups and the rest, of, the rest of our lives looks totally different. God, I pray that this can sink in and take root in our lives wherever we're at. And God, I pray for those of us who are stuck in one of these other soils, God, and that we just feel like we can't get out. God, that we will look to you and your word. God, and that we will look to grow in you, knowing that you can change us and you can bring us out of that soil to produce good fruit in us and through us. And God, that's what I pray this morning is that you produce good fruit through us. God, that all those things, love, joy, peace, patience, all of them, God, that we will just be able to bear that fruit to to others and multiply your kingdom. Jesus, I pray for those in this room that are um, that are struggling with that question that if we're if we're serious or not in our in, in our walk with you. God, I just pray that today you take a hold of us. God, and that we can actually say we are serious about this and we want to do something about that. Not, not just hear these words, God, but actually do something with it. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you so much for this message of your truth and your grace in the gospel of Matthew. And we pray these things in your name.